Hello everyone, welcome along to the very first episode of the Out of Bounds podcast. We are glad to have you listening along to our show today. Uh, alongside me, I've got my uh, three other panellists. Firstly, the future seems to be looking green. But you know what, let me not get too rash about it. That's what I say. Alongside me, it is the one and only Cameron. I know, big CM in the cut, man. How you doing? Yeah, man, I'm good, man. I'm good. My next panellist. While things may be looking green for Cam's, I think things may be looking <laughs> a little blue for our, for our next panellist. Well, actually, you know what? I think things might be looking a little sky blue. But one number that will always stick with him will be the number three. It is... Akram! Haha, <laughs> love that intro. How are you doing, guys? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, man, we're good, man, we're good. All right, all right. And then, and then finally, you know, after, imp- after an impressive season, breaking records left, right and centre, he couldn't take away the one record that I have. And that is being invincible. Yep, let me bring him in. It's Rajan. You know what? I'll take the title, you know. Forget invincibility <laughs> after that long. I will take the title happily. They've been holding on, They've been holding on to that record for their life. Yep. Just give it up, Jamie. Yeah. Give it up. <laughs> Arsenal, Come on, man, of course. But anyway, guys, how have you been? Yeah, I've been good. Yeah, we've been good. Brilliant, man. That's good, man. That's good to hear. Anyway... Welcome along to the pod. Um, we will be bringing you, uh, during this hour, we'll be bringing you some NBA news um, and some news from the Premier League. So, let, without further ado, let's get on with it, lads. Let's get on with it. Come on. So, obviously, as you know, let's get into it with the NBA. So, as you know, right, the NBA is due to be back on July 30th. Obviously, let's go. Let's go. Let, let me cast your minds back to to March the eleventh. Yes, March the eleventh was the last was the last time games were held. The NBA has gone without basketball for a hundred and forty one days. So, on let's just give you a quick recap on uh, the NBA restart plans. So, the season returns on July thirtieth. 22 teams will return to play. From the Eastern Conference, you have the top nine teams that will be involved. And from the Western Conference, you will have 12 teams that will be involved. Let me just quickly remind, the Eastern Conference um, have been in a social, are in a social bubble as well as the Western Conference. Then... Before the tournament kicks off on July 30th, teams will compete in three inter-squad scrimmages between July 22nd and July 28th. Obviously, lads, as you know, games will be played at Walt Disney Sport Complex in Orlando, Florida. And um, just uh, quickly, I'll give, you, I'll give you the playoff dates while I've got them here with me. The first round for the playoff dates would be uh, on August the 17th. The conference semi-finals uh, will be at the end of August on August 31st. Then we've got the conference finals in September uh, 15th. 
And then, lads, we've got the NBA final on September the 30th. Lads, I know how much you guys are so into into basketball. Let me let me let me have your thoughts and reactions to the NBA restart. Akram, what would you think? What do you think of the NBA restart? Obviously, I'm excited for basketball to come back. It's been very long without it, and I've been going crazy about it. But I think obviously this is going to be a tough championship to win for any of the teams like the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Lakers who have championship aspirations. But also, if you're going to see a lot of teams have different players because this is a pandemic we are living in. Not a lot of teams are going to be coming back as well. So. Of course, Cameron. What are your th- what are your thoughts on the NBA restart, mate? Well, you know what, I'm I'm happy to see basketball returning in it because, you know, like you said on March 11th when everything broke up and and the hiatus started, you know, I just remember the day when you know, the the message came out that the NBA was cancelled, and you know I was getting ready to watch the Thunder play uh, at Utah. And then and then the news came out, innit? it? Yeah. So very sad day. It was, yeah. It's it, it it's been a it's it's been a weird year all over. You know what I mean? But of course, I'm happy to see that sports are, are slowly starting back. And obviously, I'm a huge NBA fan, so I'm gonna be watching the playoffs day in day out. And of course, yeah, man, I'm just looking forward to it. Of course, Rajan as well. Let, let's let's get your thoughts. Let's get you involved on this. What what's what's your thoughts on the NBA restart as well? Yeah, I'm really excited like you guys are. Um, I really like the idea of how they're doing scrimmages first. So I think um, it'll really help get the players kind of back into their rhythm of playing again. Because obviously, you know, it's been a long few months. And um, with no game time, it can be quite hard to just throw them straight into the season again. So I like scrimmages. But, you know, I do respect the players who are opting to sit out. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's a serious pandemic. Um we don't know how it could affect them. You know, they could catch it or pass on to family members. So I do respect the decision, but, you know, I'm really excited to see basketball back again. Of course, of course. I mean, to be honest with you, I'll, I'll be straight up honest with you guys. If it weren't for me, if it wasn't for like, if it wasn't for you lot introducing me into NBA, boy, I would have, I'd probably be sitting here having no clue what you guys are on about. But um, nah, honestly, I'm quite grateful for you lot introducing me into the NBA because it's been no cap, Jamie. We're still waiting for those payments. Oh <laughs> man! If oh my gosh, man! Welcome to our inside joke pod. Welcome to the inside joke. <laughs> of course, of course. But no, of course, man. Don't worry. Payment, payment. Hopefully, payment will be coming through soon. But um, nah, I'll be honest with you. It's you know from the games that I've watched, and you know, obviously. The way I've always seen it, it's been uh, it's been really good. Obviously, I I mean, I'll be honest with you. Since you guys had told me about the NBA, and uh, since I've been obviously, I don't watch the coverage on Sky Sports, but um, I, I watch it on a, I, I stream the game. So obviously, um, I, I, the one thing I've missed. I'm sorry, yeah, I have to go a bit off topic here, but the one thing I've missed are the American food adverts. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course. But no, at a serious level though, like it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with um, with like the NBA because you know the one thing, especially I think in sport in general, the one thing that really hypes us up is the atmosphere of you know, especially the NBA. You know, teams rely on the atmosphere and the buzz around them. So 
Another question I'm going to put out there to you lot is, if you were an NBA coach, how would you how would you put out that message? How would you kind of, you know, kind of encourage your players to say like, look, you know, guys, we're going to be hit. We're going to be in Orlando without fans. How would you how would you encourage them to get energy if you get what I'm trying to say? I mean, for me, I think players are professional enough to understand that, you know, this is a job. They are going to have to play without fans and even they're just going to have to work harder and they'll have to find motivation from each other. And, you know, winning a championship, that's a goal at the end of the day for most of the teams. However, I think also coaches, they themselves are going to have to get motivated as well. Like, it's, a t- it's going to be a tough three months for whoever the champions are or the teams in the finals. Like, going f- two months without your family and friends and then fans as well. But you never know, the NBA might ease fans slowly into the game. Like, obviously you can do interactive fan stuff, like which the Premier League is doing and other leagues across the world, but we'll just have to wait and see. Of course. Yeah, Cameron, what, what's your thoughts? What would your thoughts, what would your uh, kind of uh, message be to to your players to kind of generate that atmosphere? For me, I see basketball. I Well, when I looked at this uh, topic first... I looked at two different sports, basketball and football, and I asked myself, if you're a basketball player and you see all these videos of basketball players in, in empty gyms already, and obviously football players, they train without no fans and they, you know, they play behind closed doors, but most of the time when they're playing football matches, they're always being spurred on by their fans. And I think that not having fans is definitely going to take a hit especially for, you know, the, the players' experiences, maybe the players, how they play and how they react to certain things. But I think not having fans at the stadium, it won't be as much as a problem as it might be for footballers. Yeah, that's a good point you make there, Cameron, definitely. For me, I, I would just tell my players, listen, whether it's a playoff spot on the line, whether it's a championship on the line, you still have to go out and play and, and do it to the best. And if you love the game, that's what you're going to do, isn't it? Of course, of yeah. course. Rajan, what what would you what what would your kind of message be to your to your team? Yeah, I, re- I really like the suggestion of how um you know it, the the championship or you know a playoff spot is like motivation enough, you know. Um, but of course, you know they're going to have their teammates, their coaches. You know, there's going to be like what millions of fans worldwide watching this game, so they're still going to have some form of contact with the supporters but um it's going to be really interesting like with the Premier League like how you can hear the communication between the players without the crowd noise I think that's going to be an interesting aspect as yeah. well with the NBA yeah I just wanted to quickly add on as well I think some players they might actually benefit from having no fans because you know fans they can be sometimes like really annoying and taunting you so they might they might throw you off your game so if you make a mistake you you don't you're not gonna have to look and think oh no the fans are like they're criticizing me you just play your game and hopefully that'll help you out in the end. Yeah, for sure because you look at atmospheres like for example one that sticks in my head is is when you go to Utah and how the fans are there. Yeah, like they're literally they are ruthless for the minute you come out of of the dressing rooms or anything. So I think for some players you might even see breakout performances from guys you wouldn't even expect from. So. It's it's going to be an interesting prospect. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, also, uh, 
uh, the Bucks and the Clippers, from what uh, we've been hearing, uh, the Bucks and Clippers have had to close their facilities due to uh, positive tests. Just uh, want to get your thoughts on this, but how do you think? How do you think this will affect their season? How do you think this will affect them going into the scrimmages as well as uh, the restart? Well, I think for first, I think obviously the timetable that the NBA has set out for most teams is that within this week or next week, most teams are going to be entering the bubble. So yesterday, the Orlando Magic entered the bubble, and the Lake some of the Laker players have entered it. So it's like obviously they're going to be rusty, and but this was expected, you know, positive test because testing has now been ramped up in America. Obviously, they're the leading country in testing, so you're going to expect positive tests to come out. But I don't think it will affect them that badly. I think scrimmages, you have a couple, you have a week or two training camp. So we, we'll see if tam- championship material is still there or not. But I think they'll sh- they should be fine. Um, in my opinion, the NBA and, and Adam Silver have to be prepared for positive tests. Even, even with players coming into the bubble, there will be that small risk, even if they are taking all the security you know, precautions. Um, but in terms of certain teams closing their facilities, it's literally them trying to protect their players. Because when you look at them, the Bucks championship aspirations, the Clippers championship aspirations, if any of their, say if, if a Giannis was to drop, the Bucks they would fall out of contention. Same with the Clippers, if Kawhi oh, yeah, Leonard or oh, yeah. George were to, were to get sick and weren't oh, yeah. able to come into I'd the bubble, agree with you on they that. would fall out of contention. So it's just protecting their big players. And, and that would hit the NBA as well. Because the reason why you watch the NBA is for the stars. So if stars are dropping out, then it's going to hit the NBA big time. So it's just protecting stars. And I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and uh, it's also like, the most, the most important thing is also like, how you react to like you know a positive test or something and i think you know closing the facilities you know looking after whoever's been tested positive and you know like just separating them from everyone else to minimize the spread i think you know reacting quickly is important in ensuring uh, the safety of everyone else yeah that's a good point that's a very good point that's a very yeah. good point um just also as well um let's just have a look at I think Akram or Cameron or uh, Rajan, you've been looking. You guys have been looking into uh, the players that will uh, sit out of the NBA. Now, when now when I looked back at some of the players that were sitting out, um, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. How for the players that will sit out, how much will this have an impact on the team? I think for certain players like Davis Bertons who are sitting out because of obviously injury history, but also this is a contract year for him. So if he was to get injured, he's most likely not going to get the money that he wants. So I think it's a smart business move from him. But also players like Bradley Beal, I don't think it's worth risking like your health to just play for a team that's not contending for a playoff spot. So it's like teams, players are going to make business decisions on, based on themselves and also decisions that they think are going to benefit them in the end. So I think I, I 100% support players sitting out. Because if it's for health reasons, that is 100% agreeable. Because I don't see an issue with that. But I think players that will sit out for numerous other reasons, so like the social activism part, I think 
you can go about that differently. I think you obviously you can play the game and still have a big impact on social activism. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, going off what you said, like there's obviously a, as well as in injury and there's also people sitting out for family reasons because when you think about it, this this would be the time where they had a, a, a bit of time off just to you know chill with their families in the off season. So obviously yeah. that, that has a, a huge factor into it. And speaking about uh, the players that are sitting out because you know of, of the situation and that's going on right now, we all know what's been going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. I think because going back to when they all had that meeting and then Kyrie said you know certain things about not starting back the league and and, and doing more for for the you know movement. I I didn't disagree with him, but at the same time, you're not going to deny, deny basketball not coming back. But at the same time, I think he was ridiculed, unfortunately, and, and, and unnecessarily because he had a point and maybe he could have said it differently or suggested other things that would have started the NBA. Like, for example, the NBA, they're suggesting putting, you know, phrases on the back of uh, players' shirts and, yeah, and you know, painting Black Lives Matter on the court. So, that like, Adam Silver is trying to promote a message while through playing basketball, and I think that's the perfect way to do it because at the same time, with millions of people watching, you're gonna get a message put out rather than people walking on the streets and 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 shouting shouting you know Black Lives Matter or whatever they want to shout. Because the thing is, I've been to a, a protest one time. And as much as I, I, I love the passion from some people, I just feel like the message that they're trying to get out is not being heard because they're just walking the streets and they're shouting and, and whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, who are you really talking to? Because I don't feel like if you're shouting on the road, yes, you'll, you'll get some sort of attention. But are you really going to get attention from the people that you want to hear your message? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a very good point you make. I mean, uh, I think, you know, sport has been massively changed uh, due to what happened in America. And, you know, obviously with what you were just saying, Cameron, with, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter thing uh, on the back of like the NBA shirts, the Premier League have also gone and done the same thing as well, which I think is a very fitting tribute but then again, um, you know, I think it's very it's very good that you know the subject see the subjects of racism seems to be uh, promoted in sport because if you think back before to previous occasions, we you know previous occasions, uh, especially either in football or in any other sport, uh, it's never the, the the discussions never really been brought up as much. Obviously, the black class matter, and obviously people. In the past and numerous times now, they've obviously said sports and politics, they should never mix. But the thing is, they have always mixed, you know, like, dating back so far, like, the example that that sticks in my head is from the 94 World Cup, in which Colombia, they got, they were one of the best teams, like, arguably down there, like, they beat Argentina 5-0 in qualifying, but then they got knocked out in the group stage by an own goal from their own captain. And then a couple of weeks later, in Manila, Manila, I think that's the capital of Colombia, he got shot down by the cartel and 
you know, it just, it hurts, you know, but politics can be used in sport, in sport, can be put into sports in a way that's, like, like, elevates people's opinions and shines light on everything, like, I think the issue that I have with the NBA, in terms of what you can put on your shirt, is the lack of freedom, is like, you don't, you can't really express your own political view on something, like, I don't know, obviously you got, you can't write Breonna Taylor on your shirt, but you're able to say Black Lives Matter, let, don't be silent, stuff like that, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a situation, how you speak about it, it's, people always speak about when mixing politics and sport, it's, it's almost extreme, but I think the platform that a lot of the players have with social media in this day and age, I don't think it's good enough to just stay silent and 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 not even acknowledge anything because that's just yeah it's it's ignorance yeah yeah no i totally get totally get where you're coming from um just one quick thing i just wanted to add in as well um so obviously with the nba um what their plans are is to have like a i think is it some uh, to track the coronavirus or like to track yeah the ring right been the ring yeah i mean what what are your what are your opinions on uh players choosing to wear the ring however some players are choosing not to wear the ring but yet they're still traveling to florida what are your opinions on that yeah i think i've heard the story of gerald green how he's actually not able to wear the ring because he actually broke his finger from dunking <clears throat> so obviously that's going to be a quite situation for him but I think players, obviously, they're going to have to comply with wearing the ring one way or another because you're in the bubble, you want to obviously get paid. But also, it's trial and error, right? You obviously want coronavirus to be gone and you don't want it in the bubble at all because that will create problems that, you know, the NBA don't want to deal with. But I think it's good, you know. Obviously, health officials in America, the CDC, they're helping out. I think they know what they're doing. So, you know, the NBA is just following protocol. And the ring is part of it, so so be it, you know? Yeah, like, don't the Premier League do something similar? Like, beforehand, like, when managers and staff and players are entering, you know, they'll they'll be outside and, like, they'll have their temperature checked and whatever. And any sort of system that tries to uh, detect whether someone has coronavirus, you know, should be supported because, you know, we don't want anyone to get this disease. And at the end of the day, you know, we also want basketball back and we want players protected. And... You know, I think everyone should kind of, everyone who's who wants to um play currently, you know, they should be sort of wearing this ring, because you know we don't want anyone else to, to catch it and then the league just to get suspended again. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you think, do you think maybe towards like the middle of the month, maybe like the tw- like around like maybe a week before, uh, the NBA is due to uh, restart again. Do you think maybe there'll be like do you think it will be made compulsory to wear this ring so that, you know, you know, we, you know how, like, for example, you know, they say that a face mask has to be worn on public transport. Like it's mandatory. Do you think that maybe a week before we're due to, uh, we're due to start the NBA, do you think that it will, do you think they'll come out and say that it is mandatory that you wear this ring? Well, uh, I, you know, these it's it's tough, isn't it? Because you want the players to have 
their own freedom and and you don't have much freedom when you're you know within a bubble but at the same time you want your players not to feel like they're being forced to do anything and that's the vibe that I've been getting from Adam Silver this whole time you know he's giving the players the freedom to say if they don't want to play they can opt out of it and 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 that's that's good enough so I don't think they need to make it mandatory because at the same time, the players that are playing, they know the importance of everyone's health within the bubble and also outside of it. And, you know, I, I was looking at this article and, and, and they, they're they treating this whole restart in, in different phases. So there's about, what, five or six phases from the start of the restart to the end of it. So... Instead of making players feel like they have to do certain things, I think they're just going to be looking at how things progress with time. And I think that's the right way to go about it. Well, I think with the ring making it mandatory, I think obviously the players that are coming in, they know the dangers and they obviously know that they read the handbook. There's obviously 100 pages. They obviously have to follow it. But I think in terms of the players, like obviously if they get tested, they're going to get tested regularly. And they obviously have to get a certain amount of consecutive negative tests before they can play. So I don't know. I think I think there's there's different opinions in the in the community of the players. Like some players, like Lillard, they're thinking like they they've said and stated that they don't know how it's gonna work. You know, because some players are like the freedom that they have is a bit is not flexible, but it's restricted in a way that you're not gonna be able to do too much of what you want, and then. Players like Garrett Temple, they've had their worries, especially his team, the Brooklyn Nets, who are like injury riddled right now, the virus and test. Like they have a lot of different things going on. Like players, they're gonna have to be careful. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Rajan, just quickly, what, what are your what are your thoughts on on making the ring round at true? Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, it it it, sh- it should be mandatory, but you know, at the end of the day. If players don't want to play, you know, I completely respect that. You know, at the end of the day, when your health is obviously the most important thing, and the health of those around you, um, but the the whole purpose of the ring is is to ensure that you know this uh, the coronavirus doesn't you know pop up again in the NBA. And of course, you know, if it were to um be if you if there were to be a positive test within the bubble, then you know there'd be serious trouble, and I don't think we'd we'd have the season continued. Yeah, of course. I think to be fair, it would be like I think what three what the three of you have said is pretty much spot on. The way I see it is personally, it would be nice if players were given that freedom without being without having too many restrictions. Because I think if you if you were issued too many restrictions, then there would you know. It it could cause some issues here and there. Yeah, but I think you know, sorry, but I I also just want to mention as well, like the the restriction that the players have, or inside a bubble. But whereas the Disney staff that are working inside a bubble, you know, obviously they're not getting tested. They're allowed to leave and come into the bubble. So that I think the NBA should review, perhaps like give them the test as well, and maybe not have them stay in the bubble with the players. But maybe like their own mini mini bubble, like outside the facilities. But I think the players, they obviously know the dangers as well, so they have to wear the ring. That's what Adam Silver's been saying. I think. Yeah, of course. I mean, 
it, you know, like now, like obviously now that we've we're in July now, uh, and there's a there's only going to be about maybe a few weeks now till the restart is back on. It, it will be really interesting to see how everything's going to pan out in a way, especially with the fact that now during this period you're going to have teams now coming into Florida. You know they. It's going to be ve- it's going to be a very different experience, and especially with the schedule changing, so that you know, like obviously, as Cameron was saying, you know, during this time it'd be the off season, and you wouldn't get, you know, you'd get that family time. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens now uh, ahead of the restart, as well as what happens when this uh, when this season is finished, and then. You know, you've got the draft lottery and then you've got uh, and then you, you kind of start again from the beginning. But I think overall it will be very interesting to see what happens. And I'm pretty sure the the three, I mean, all three of you are very much looking forward to w- watching it all back on again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm hoping yeah. this is Thanks. a successful process and hopefully we do not ever have to come back to this scenario ever again in our lifetime. Definitely. Hopefully, man. Let's see what happens. Let's see. But that's it as it is. You know, the NBA back again, July 30th. We cannot wait. Anyway, let's let's move on now to football and the Premier League. Obviously, um, played behind closed doors. Let's just have a look back at the weekend's results. And... Let's just start off, Cameron. Man United, you know, I think I think you've I think you have a train to catch at five two to Bournemouth, right? <laughs> Man, I mean now I couldn't be, you know, more any more happy of how we've come after the restart, you know. It it was a um rusty performance against Tottenham at the start, but since then we've kicked on and, and we've really played some great football, I think. You know, we won against Sheffield United and then Brighton and then obviously that blistering performance against Bournemouth. The way I see it is the reason why Man United fans were so unhappy with, you know, the way we were... It was the way we were playing, the inconsistency in our game and the fact that we struggled with chance creation. Mm. But now, you know, we have a lot of the players that were injured and now fit that Pogba, you know, Rashford and then the addition of Bruno... That's really put us, you know, over the top when when you think about it because Bruno's coming in and, and his just quality of ball, quality of delivery, his touch, his, his goal-scoring ability, it's is brilliant. And he's taken a lot of the duties off Pogba. And, and I think what we're seeing is Paul Pogba back to his best. Now that he doesn't have all the pressure mounted on his shoulders to produce goals, assists, and everything that he's expected to do. I agree massively. Uh, obviously, yeah. I'll just quickly read you a few stats. Uh, Greenwood, uh, in 26 appearances, Premier League appearances he's made for United, he has scored eight goals. And Bruno Fernandes, in nine Premier League appearances, has scored six goals for United. Um, you guys are currently... Currently, United are uh, just uh, two points off Chelsea, funny enough. And mm-hmm. United yeah, are unbeaten since the restart, winning all their winning their get like winning their games to hand. 
Um, and, and, and you can even say, like, even uh, before the league broke up and, and took a break, we've been unbeaten since we, we lost 2-0 to Burnley on January the 22nd. True. In the league, so... True. Yeah. There seem. I'm telling. This is what. This is why I'm thinking. You know, when it comes down to Champions League at the end of the day, I would not be surprised if United take that spot. I would not be surprised if United take that spot. It's going to be a very close end to the season. It'll be a close race. It will definitely. Yeah. Looking ahead uh, to to other games, Chelsea. Boy, since I mean, since Chelsea have signed their new partnership with three, it seems like three seems to be the number for them. Winning 3-0 at home to Watford. Uh, Willian, funny enough, has found has found a little bit of form. He has scored in Chelsea's last three games. He's a changed man now, Willian, I think. Obviously, he's he's looking for that new contract or he wants to join a new club. I don't know, it's tough reading Willian like that, but there is talk there is talk circulating that he uh that Arsenal will double. Apparently, Arsenal will double his wages. From, oh, really? From what he's getting at know, Chelsea. I don't know where they'll what, find the funds for that, but I think. <laughs> from what I've been hearing, this—that's what I've been hearing over the last few weeks. But I tell you what, William, right now, if I was you guys, I'd, I'd, I'd get him tied down well, to a new deal. Here's the thing: I don't think William's been the most impressive to me. I think the most impressive player since the restart for Chelsea has been Christian Pulisic. You know, he's a change man. He's. The way that he's been playing, he's more direct, he's more lethal in front of goal. And the the way that he destroyed Man City in that first goal, it was incredible. It's like, I'm really happy for him because I really like the guy. I think he can be successful and then he can make soccer, according to the Americans, like a great sport down there. <laughs> you know, like, so... I get what you mean. Yeah. To be fair, even Pulisic, yeah, Pulisic, he's he's got seven got he's got seven goals so far, and his impact for Chelsea has been really good. I mean, I've been impressed from what he did at Dortmund to what he's done now has been yeah. really impressive. Well, for me, Chelsea haven't been the most impressive team, but let me tell you, the most impressive team since the restart. For me, it's been Newcastle. Let me tell you, Newcastle, they're a changed team. I'll tell you that because. Let's since the restart, yeah. There's a restart table. Let's have a look at that. Yeah, yeah go on then. Fifth, fifth is Newcastle, and there's only three teams since the restart that have not lost a single game. That's Man United, Everton, and Newcastle. And also, let me tell you this: ten goals in four games. Do you know how long it took Newcastle to get double figures at the beginning of the season? If you don't know, let me tell you: it's twelve games. Oh, then before wow. the restart, it took them 13 games to score eight goals. And now, and now the average for goals has gone from nearly 0.86 to 2.5 per game. And that's with a front, that's with a midfield of St. Maximum, um, Al Mirion and Joe Linton. Ooh. Joe Linton, oh my God, he's changed as He's well. changed he's massively compared to... Having, compared... having no crowds has benefited him so Definitely. much. Definitely. Because, you know, come, for him, I think beginning of the season was tough. Like, he scored that opening opening day. Then he had a long drought of no goals. So, I think he's benefited from this. And also, Steve Bruce, he's changed formations. And that has allowed our, our, that's allowed the midfield free now to just play more direct and put in more balls to Dwight Gale. And I'm just liking how they're playing. Because like, usually, I don't watch Newcastle. 
But now yeah. I see myself watching them, which is a bit mad. Mm. That's very interesting there, Akram. Yeah. Would you would you argue that they play more entertaining football under oh, Steve Bruce now. than they did with Rafa Benitez? Oh, okay, that's that's different. Mm. I think right now they're playing more entertaining football. But the thing is, obviously, Newcastle fans, they didn't want Benitez to leave. But and then when they heard Bruce coming, they were like, oh, no, you bought the guy from <laughs> Sunderland. Yeah, 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 there was a lot of controversy but, going into that. But I think Newcastle fans, they're happy right now. Like, you know, they've improved the table. Like, they've improved slightly in terms of the table. But the way that they're playing on the pitch, it's more attacking. It's more entertaining, you know. Like, St. Maxman, he was nominated for Player of the Month last last month in June, yeah. which is quite an improvement from where he was last time before the lockdown. Because he was more deep in the field. Like, you know, he had to, like, bring the ball up to the field and cross it in. Yeah. That's not his style of play. His style of play is on the wing and attacking from there. Lads, I'm going to be really honest with you, right? I remember... Uh, so, you know, during pre-season, they have the Barclays Asia Trophy, right? Yeah. I, I watched that tournament over the over the summer, and I think it was Wolves... New, there was Wolves, Newcastle, uh, Man City, and... Oh, I forgot who the other team was. I think it was West Ham. Yeah, West Ham. And... I will be really honest with you. Watching Newcastle play, they got... I think they got absolute... Thra- I think they were thrashed 4-0 by Wolves or something. And then I think they went and lost to West Ham. And it just made me think, you know, watching them... Watching them back in July, compared to what they were... Like, compared to what the way they're playing now, there's been a massive change in gear from Steve Bruce. I think the players have understood now Steve's philosophy and just their playing style has got so much better you know and uh, you know I remember saying to quite a few of my friends I could see Newcastle going down and boy I'm telling you Newcastle proved me wrong right now mate massively it's it's a it's a thing about a, a lot of the reasons where on whether a, a team is playing well or bad is it's simply just trusting your manager and, and, and his tactics. And uh, and I think, like you said, Newcastle was starting to, you know, double down on that and, and just focus on their football and, and let Steve Bruce do what he's doing on the on the tactical side. And they're playing really well. Yeah. But I've got, yeah, I've got a question as well. Like, you know, like, what team have you seen improve the most since lockdown four? There were three of you. For me, like... I stick. I stick with my team, man. Oh, of course. Hey. Oh, he knows. Hey, he knows. Uh, we all it's, know it's who he's going to go for, one. isn't it? Manchester United. Listen, he's going to go I'll for stick. United. It's so obvious. Glory, glory, Man United, isn't mm, it? Yeah, of course. Listen, Typical. I've, 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 I've got some. I've got something to back it up, though. Go on, go Listen, for it. United have got nine games unbeaten in the Premier League when they lost two 0 to Burnley. Horrible performance, but after that, we've yep. been brilliant. And like I said before, the break has benefited them so, so much. You know, players like Pogba was out for injury. Rashford was supposed to be finished for the season. And now we have everyone back and we're playing well. Like I said, the addition of Bruno, he scored four goals and then provided one assist since the return of football, which is just brilliant. And like I said, He's taken yep. the responsibilities off his midfield partners like Pogba or Matic or Fred or McTominay, whoever, whoever's playing alongside him. He's taken, he's simplifying their roles. And, you know, 
I'd, I'd just like to say, it looked like with everyone coming back, like, Ole has found his starting eleven. Like, he's he's picking a team consistently now that he has his players back. And um, I can't argue with his selection anymore because everyone is playing their role and they're playing very, very well. Even Maguire? You know what, yeah. I'm... I'm Listen, I don't think Maguire is bad. He he definitely wasn't worth the money we brought him for, but he is he he can be consistent and he will make a mistake from time to time, which shows a few times. You know that one against Tottenham at the at the start where he got absolutely burned definitely. by Bergwijn and and then they scored <laughs> after. You know he makes mistakes and that's why I, you know. The money we spent on him, it's clear that he is not worth that. And we, if we were to sell him that is true. back right now, I don't even think we'd probably sell him for half, you know, half the money we brought him. And that's that, that might sound harsh, but I mean, it's, I it's the that. truth. When English players get hyped up, they they become overpriced, and and he was a victim of that, unfortunately. And well, we are victims, but he's <laughs> consistent. And and that's all you can ask out of a defender. Yeah. I mean, Akram, going back to the question you've just asked, I mean, personally, I think Wolves, I think, I'll be honest with you, I see Wolves as a bit of a dark horse here because so far, right, before before we went into lockdown, Wolves had an unbeaten, Wolves were unbeaten from February to uh, when they lost to Liverpool uh, back in February. They have been unbeaten since then. And even uh, once the restart had kicked in, apart from the loss against Arsenal, they continued to win games. And on top of that as well, they were keeping clean sheets um, uh, just after the restart. Obviously, you know, with what happened with the Arsenal game, um, it is what it is. But... Looking at Wolves, they currently sit sixth. People are talking about a potential Champions League spot. Now, I'm sorry, I did not expect no one to say Wolves to go for Champions League football. I mean, I mean, we went when you said when we all said Sheffield United could get. I was expecting Wolves to be in that. Exactly. Well, so yeah. You, you. I don't think any of us would sit here and think that. You know, if if you had said, to, you know, if you had said to me last year. That Wolves would get would be in contention for Europe, and Sheffield United were would be in contention yeah. for Europe. I'd have bit you. Yeah. I'd have bit your yeah. hand off. I would would have said Sheffield United. United. I'd have said no. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 the big shock to me. Sheffield United. Definitely. And mm-hmm. uh, but sorry, I was going to yeah, say so as well. With in regards to Wolves, you guys fail to realise that they're still in Europa League contention right now as I speak, because they. Because they they've still got their I think it's a I think it's the round of sixteen now they're still in the round of sixteen, and on top of that, the, with the cash flow that comes in to Wolves, it should be looking quite bright. Regardless to wherever they finish in in the Europa League, if they even bag a Europa League spot, which is looking very likely as I speak right now, bearing in mind they're three points from Europa, Europa League spot. And they're five yeah. points from Champions League. Obviously, I'm not going to aim that high for a Champions League spot with Wolves, but Europa League is looking very likely as well. And mm. to be fair, they've done pretty well. 
the one thing I've really liked about the Wolf Squad is uh, this this vibe. I, I've always caught this one vibe about Wolves is majority of the squad are Portuguese. The manager is Portuguese. There, there is a good. I, I feel like there's a very good vibe. You know, all right. I understand there's players like Conor Cody and all that, but somehow there seems to be a really good group between between these guys that they they are playing with some really good football as well and I, I just I don't know why but for me I feel like Wolves have been the most improved team before before lockdown uh, as well as the restart they needed the break because I think there was a stat saying that before the the breakup of the Premier League they played that 50 plus games in all competitions yeah they definitely needed true. that rest. Definitely. So obviously, Rajon, what what team do you think improved? Well, as a Liverpool fan, it does pain me to say this, but you know, I personally think Everton Oof. have been oh the goodness, most improved. No I know, right? Um, you know, I think before lockdown, I think they were about thirteenth or twelfth. You know, right now they're they they moved up to one spot to eleventh. But you know, interestingly. You know, they're about six points off Arsenal, eight points off Wolves. And, you know, recently, although they did lose 1-0 to Tottenham, if you look at their last three results, um, you know, first game back was Liverpool. Obviously, you're going to expect teams to be a bit rusty, but, you know, they put a really, they put a brilliant defensive performance against us. We really had no clear-cut chances. To be, to be fair, they were unlucky not, they were quite unlucky not to even win the game because in the last 10 minutes, oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. They, they hit the post, they forced Alisson into making a brilliant save. Uh, Everton, Everton right now, I remember back in the days when Everton were like competing for like the Europa League every season and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, that was like UEFA Cup, that, that was UEFA, that was like when the UEFA Cup kind of eased out and that's when like it was the early stages of the of what was the Europa League but um no go on back carry on with what you were saying though Rajan with Everton yeah but you're 100% right you know they had really I think two three good chances at the end to easily um win 1-0 um you know then they went away to Norwich you know they uh they got a good 1-0 win you know, at the end of the day, you know, I know people might say, oh, it's Norwich, but, you know, a win's still a win. It is. Um, and then, uh, I know Leicester have, I think they've been affected quite badly by the break, but still a 2-1 win against Leicester, you know, that was really impressive, you know, against a team that's gunning for top four. But, you know, if we're talking about players, you know, I think, you look at the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think he's really stepped up this season. I agree you know, with he's, you, um, massively. He's been scoring a lot of goals, definitely a shout for the future and England team as well. Um, of course, you know they've got their man Richarlison. Uh, he's he's fighting a few goals, one against Leicester. You know guys like um Gilfie Sigurdsson. His experience, obviously, um, playing in the Premier League. I think he's still a solid player. Um, but also um with Ancelotti, you know, especially recently, they've seem they've seemed to, um, really um become solid at the back. You know, I think conceding goals was their problem. Um. And he's also been giving a lot of starts to youngsters. I know um he played this um a young ch- a young um player called uh, Anthony Gordon, I believe. Oh yes. You know, I thought he put in a he put in a good shift against us. Um he got an assist, I think, against Leicester for one of the goals. Yeah. So I think you know, he's looking quite bright as well. With Dominic Calvin improving, I don't know. I feel like Richarlison has just like downgraded a tiny bit. Not too much, but 
he's had to sacrifice a bit for Dominic to su- succeed, you know. That's a good so. point. I mean, do, do you guys remember when he was playing for... Uh, do you remember when he was, like, playing for Watford and you see how he hit form? Like, his form was just hitting completely on a different level. I think the thing, the thing, what you say about it, that, and it happens to a lot of Premier League players where they come into the league and, and they hit this, like, amazing patch of form where they're either scoring, assisting or just playing and, and contributing to their team almost every game. And then the next season, there always seems to be this dip. And I don't think he's dipped dramatically like other players that you'll call a one-season wonder. But he definitely isn't that player where you look at him from from his season at Watford and say, yeah, he's definitely kicked on to either stay the same or get stronger. Yeah. Well, I think let, let me tell you this. From hearing both of you, from hearing all of you, you've not convinced me. I think Newcastle is still the most improved team. No. Eight yeah, points no, from four on. games. That's all I have to say. No, for that. I'm sorry. No, but I think I, I'm sorry. But I, I'd say I'd say it's I'd say United personally. Yes, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'd say United because they've been they've been hitting they've been hitting different. They've been hitting much different compared to Newcastle. Obviously, I understand that Newcastle are in a different. But tell, but, Newcastle but tell and United this. are on two different levels. I understand that completely. But you know, for me, I'm sorry, but Cameron, I have to, I have to agree with you, Cameron. I think United have hit completely different form, especially, All right. especially when Bruno Fernandes kind of hit the scene as well. Okay, cool. But tell me this, yeah, before lockdown, when you're making your previews, predictions, would you have predicted Newcastle get eight points from four games? Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 United, I think, before lockdown, you, uh, we, for some reason, Sky Sports decided to put Bruno Fernandes in team of the season. Yeah, for only playing two games or something like that. But I'll tell you this, United were expected to do well. Newcastle were not expected to do as well as they're doing right now. So that's why they're my most improved. Fair enough. That's understandable. That's understandable. Um, just one quick thing. Now, like obviously, over the weekend, we had a lot of young talent uh, kind of take our, like, take our breath away. And uh, on Twitter, uh, please follow us on Twitter uh, at outofboundspod underscore. Uh, there was a tweet you put out, Akram, uh, asking for your... Like who? Just who impressed overall um, from the weekend's games? And I just, guys, I I just want to get your kind of thoughts on this. There was a lot of impressive talent over the weekend. Let me, you know, let me get your what? What? Who? who, Out of the players that kind of took your caught your eye from uh, each of your perspectives, I would love to know. Who who caught your eye over the weekend? Alright, so, you know, I'm going to go for a local lad from Liverpool. His name is Curtis Jones, you know. We all know. The guy that, uh, destro- yeah. the guy that destroyed Everton. I love it. I love we it. all remember that yep, amazing that one, goal. That wonder goal. Oh, my goodness. My God. But let me tell you. He scored. When he came on, it was like about 12, 10 minutes left in the game, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, and ten minutes. Know, there was like ten minutes left in the game. His touch on the ball, his control on the ball. He was so composed. He he looked like he belonged. Like you know, he's only nineteen. He's only a couple months older than us, which is a bit mad. But he's oh only, gosh, the way that he scored as well. Like I don't know if you re- realize, but 
So Mane or, or was Trent Alexander-Arnold, they crossed the ball in. So then he's kind of in the line of defence. Then he backs down because he knows Salah has to kick it back to him. So then he backs out and then he takes a nice, strong finish. And, you know, Liv- the thing about him as well, it's not the fact that he wants to only succeed as well. It's the fact that Liverpool, Klopp, the owners, they all want to see him succeed as well. Like, he's a local lad and it's going to be great motivation for him to do even better. And, you know, we've seen his talent. He just has to be consistent. And, you know, they're slowly easing him into the squad this season. Like, yeah. you know, this, just this past week, he signed a new long-term deal. So, you know, I think that speaks a lot to what Liverpool think about him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and also um, also speaking on that point with you know, Klopp and developing young players, also we've got a right-backer, yep. Nico Williams. Uh, oh, yeah. Came on for a bit against Palace and City. And, you know, there's talks, you know, you know, Possibly shifting Trent into midfield wow. in the future, playing uh, Williams at right back. You know, I'm not. I'm still not sure, but I really think he's going to be a, a good talent in the future. And it's just a testament to Klopp, you know, and staff and and the academy of how they're bringing up these young players and then slowly transitioning them into the first team at like a comfortable pace. Yeah, definitely. I I think the the talent that Liverpool have right now is brilliant. You know, you've got Trent. You know, like. I think Trent Alexander is a massive influence to any young player at Liverpool or even at any other club, to be fair, who, you know, has made it through the ranks and has made it to where he is now. And I think Liverpool have a brilliant setup, I must say. Um, I've been I've been quietly watching them and they've got some really good players up their sleeve for the future. Yeah. Obviously, Cameron, do you know what? With Cameron, right... I don't even need to ask who you've chosen because I pr- I'm pretty sure it's pr- it's pretty obvious, isn't it, lads? Who he's hey, chosen? Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, because you man are making me sound biased for no reason. I I ain't making him biased. Let's just say this: we we all on the pod are neutral. We obviously have our teams that we like, <laughs> but let's of just course. state we we'll do some favouring, but we're neutral. So let's hey, keep it at that. Just it's remember a, that. To me, it's 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 an obvious selection for me, and it's Mason Greenwood, isn't it? Of course. Go on. Look. Go on, Cameron. This season, this this man, because he's grown in from a boy to a man, even though he's eighteen, he's grown up quickly. He scored fifteen goals in all competitions, eight goals in the league, and three since the restart. What I'm most impressed with him is the fact that at such a young age. He shows dedication to his craft, which can go a long way when speaking about a player's having a long career at a club and hopefully he will have a long career in the Premier League. But when you look at him, he's two-footed, you know, shoot with his right or left, it doesn't matter. Mm. He's, and, and since the lockdown, to be fair, he's put on some weight, which will suit him well in such oh, a physically gosh, yeah. demanding league, so... Goodness you know, me, I've seen I've seen his training regime on on Instagram. Goodness me, this guy uh, knows how to work out. Flipping heck! I mean, yeah. I don't mean, get perhaps. me wrong, he's quite pacey. He's quite pacey, but the fact that he's managed to you know spend lock lockdown, you know, building up, that's, it that's, is really that's, impressive. That's that's the dedication you're speaking about, and and the fact that he has that at 18 years old is is really impressive. Because what you see is a lot of, of young players come in and, and, and play in the Premier League. And because they, they you know, they might be a, a bit too skinny or, or weak or, or, you know, slight, they, they'll struggle. 
and the, and you can see the talents there. But if you don't have the you know the physical attributes to match it, then you're never gonna reach a peak. Of course, I think. Just quick comment about Mason Greenwood. Greenwood is regeneration of Robin Van Persie. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent agree yeah. with you on that, mate. Hundred percent. Just had to let you know, Pod. Just had to let you know, Pod. Like I was saying to you, man, the other day, like, you see the way he moves, the way he shoots the ball with such conviction and just venom. You know, you look at Robin Van Persie and and just think about the way that he used to strike a ball. Sheer power and ruthlessness. The the one thing I realised as well, guys, is Greenwood, they've got no fear. They they literally got no fear. It's amazing how they both play. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what young players need to have because I feel like some young players they get you know overrun by pressure I think when you're a young player coming into a team and you're seeing that with also uh, Saka Arsenal play with no fear because in the end of the day if it's something that you've worked your whole life for to get to a certain point then there's no need to you know feel the pressure or, 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 you know, listen to people who are speaking down on you. Just put your head down and work, and that's all you can do because there's a, lots of room for improvement. Of course, of course. Obviously, I, I you know, I, obviously, with me... Saka's your choice, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, obviously, obviously, if Cameron took the route of... If Cameron took the route of Greenwood, of course, I was going to take the, the route of uh, Saka. I think we I'll all be know. honest with you. The first, do you know what? I was actually lucky to see this guy make his debut in the Unai Emery era. Uh, I remember going to Europa League game at, uh, oh, what, what's the team called? Vorskala. Vorskala, if that's how you even pronounce Europa it. League. I remember. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, don't remind me, mate. But um, literally, um, I remember seeing him come on and. We literally, not long ago, we just spoke about no fear. This guy had no fear. Even making his debut in the Europa League, he had no fear. You know, I've been, I've admired the way that Saka was used quite well in the Europa League. And I think, um, you know, how you've just spoke of uh, Greenwood, you know, Greenwood has also had that same process. You know, he came, you know, he made a few Europa League games managed to worm his way into the United squad. And I would say the exact same for Saka. Um, you know, he started, you know, with, but the thing with, though with Saka is, you know, with with Arsenal, we obviously we had Tierney out and we had uh, Kolasinac out. And Saka kind of came in and took that left-back role, made it his own, even though he is not a left-back made it his own and that's how he's managed to win over Arsenal Hearts I would say uh, you know can I say can I say that go on the fact that he is so versatile like that is a, a special trait within itself because I don't think you see a lot of footballers when you look at, uh, around Europe or just around the world that can play in multiple positions you think of guys like Joshua Kimmich there are not mm. a lot of players like that so you know it just goes to show Arsenal have a special talent on their hands yeah, definitely. I feel like also, um, speaking on that point of like these youngsters, you know, it's it's like really important to have like good role models and teammates. Like, if you look at like Curtis Jones, he's got like Jordan Henderson, Trent Alexander Arnold, 
Mason Greenwood's got uh, like Marcus Rashford, who's, who's I think you know speaking about United, I think going forward they look really brilliant. You know with Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, and obviously with Saka, you know like I think Arteta, you know being with City, you know, and Guardiola, he's obviously he's uh, he likes to develop these young players. But I also think you know you see like guys like Obama Yang, you know, they've really taken he's really taken like Saka under his wing, and that's really important. Yeah, I would definitely agree because. Um, the assist, like the assist that he created, uh, the assist that he's been doing for Aubameyang is just it, they, 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 you can see a special connection between the two of them, you know. And also mentioning, uh, you know how you mentioned Curtis Jones, obviously signing a long term deal. Uh, Saka also did the same, uh, signing a long term deal, and I think it's really good that we are get, you know, that we are. Uh, securing long-term deals for these young players because at the end of the day we you know I'll take Sancho I will I'll take I will use Sancho as an example you know he wasn't used well at City but then look what happened to him he left the Premier League went out to Dortmund and now he's just doing bits for Dortmund yeah and you know again I think especially when it comes down to English talent as well it's good that we're getting English players through the academy because even with Saka, Saka's been at Arsenal since he was eight. And the fact that now he's 18, going on to be 19, just funny enough, a day after my birthday, um, you know, it's quite good to see English talent come through the ranks. Also, on top of that, it kind of gives Gareth Southgate something, you know, something to think about and to put forward going ahead. No doubt. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with a lot of this English talent. It would be nice to see them all develop and, um, you know, really kind of break through into that first team squad. Yeah, so obviously, I think we all said of our improved not improved but players that have caught us I apart from Rajan I want to hear his no you know I, I think you took mine you know really I took Curtis Jones I mean you're a local fan so yeah I yeah so. I think for me yeah but I think you know all three that you know, that have been mentioned I think they all deserve credit I mean they each they each like perform really well when they're um, across their games uh, last weekend so of course yeah, they're great talents. We need to appreciate that and hopefully they can hone it and just improve so much and be world class. Hey, this is the future, so we I'm just got to... Where whoever, you know, the fans are, the best thing to do is get behind your young players and support them and, and hopefully their work ethic will transfer in, into many more years of, of great play. Yep, agree with that 100%. One last question that's just come to mind, right... Since we've gone into lockdown, right, and since, um, you know, games like Premier, the Premier League has played behind closed doors, does this help the youngsters adapt to Premier League football before being introduced to the fans? What, let, let me hear your thoughts on this, lads, before we, before we finish uh, up. I think for a lot of these players they've played with fans already so from players that we mentioned Curtis Jones Saka Greenwood they've all played in front of fans so I think this does kind of help them in terms of their confidence so like if they miss a big chance it's not like they're going to hear fans booing them or anything so it's like 
you know what, I can keep going. Let me just play my game. So I think that's the mm-hmm. best benefit for them. Of you know, when, when you think about fans, especially away fans, whether you're away or home, there's there's always that intimidation factor. And I think, it, it in a way, it hardens the, the, the young players and even, you know, veterans or whatever. They still have to deal with it. But I think in, in respect to that, I would actually believe that the players would prefer playing in front of the fans. But it's the current situation we're living in and everyone just has to deal with it. I think it just helps, like, also with team chemistry, you know, like, obviously, you know, these uh, these young players, you know, they really haven't, some of them really haven't played that much, but, you know, they are going to be starters in the future and some of the players they'll be playing with alongside. So, you know, this is a good chance for them to develop team chemistry with, te- with future teammates. Very good points you all make there, lads. Sadly, uh, we're going to have to kind of uh, wrap it up there. Um, We're not doing predictions? Yep, of course. We'll do, all right, then. We'll do, yep, sorry about that. We'll get into some predictions quickly before we round up. Trying to run away deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, look at, um, let's look at tonight's Premier League games. Who, who are on tonight? we got Man City versus Newcastle. Sheffield United versus Wolves, Ooh. West Ham versus Burnley, and then the late game Brighton versus Liverpool. Ooh. Nice games, some good games there, some good games. So let's let's have a look at Man City. Let's get your prediction for Man City against Newcastle. Akram, I'm going to pass this over to you. So obviously they played already in the FA Cup and City won two 0 but I think if you guys have Kevin De Bruyne in your fantasy team. Triple captain him right now. He's going to have a big game. I don't think Newcastle will be able to handle him. Despite performing so well, I think it will be a comfortable win for City. I'm saying 2-0 Man City. Cameron, what do you think? Um, You know, like Akram said, i got Kevin De Bruyne in my fantasy team captain. Newcastle, <laughs> informed team. You know, Man City, let's, let's not forget, they lost to Southampton recently, so they're going to want revenge. And this could get very, very bad for Newcastle if Man City are playing like we've, we've, you know, become accustomed to see them playing. So I'm seeing a Newca- um, Newcastle um, loss and Man City, yeah. Um, my prediction, I'd say 3 nil. Ooh, OK then. Rajan, what do you think? OK. Yeah, I'm going for something similar. You know, can't really see a, a different outcome other than City winning... Um, probably be the same sort of tactics you know Newcastle men behind the ball trying to counter-attack but I just think you know City will be looking for revenge after Southampton defeat and they just got such a great squad so I th- I'm going something along the lines of two or three nil oh good predict. do you know what lads that's all very good predictions personally what you got Jamie oh to be fair I- I'm really going to be honest with you if Newcastle have learnt their lessons from the FA Cup round Oh, do you know what? I can see I can see City getting revenge, but I'm gonna do you know what? I'm actually gonna go for a two nil I'm gonna go two nil Man City to be honest. Alright. I'm gonna see only because I think Newcastle will put up a fight in the first half, but I just think City will be too strong for them. Hmm. Right to that. Yeah man. Yeah. I agree with that. Mm, let's look on to the next game. The next game we're talking about would be 
the Wolves. Sheffield United and Wolves. United and Wolves. Ooh, that, that's my game of the day. That's my game of the day. Same. I massively agree with that. I, I You know, two, te- two unlikely teams, two dark horses competing for Europe. Lads, what are your predictions for this? Hmm. For me, I think this is going to be the tightest game of them. So, I'm going to go for a draw. A 1-1 one, one draw. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, you stole my prediction, man. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say. Hey, we one, can have one. same predictions. <laughs> hey, nah, I'm I'm, lo- I'm looking at the same way. You know, two teams fighting for Europe. Wolves, they might even have an outsider's chance of 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 getting into the Champions League if results go their way. But yeah, two teams fighting for Europe in decent form. One one draw sounds like it. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, it's, I think yeah, one one. So it's going to be. I think it's going to be a draw. And, you know, both teams are really good defensively as well. So I'm going to go for a draw as well. Yeah, Jamie. Boy. Um, you know what? To be fair, I can see it being a draw, but I could see it being it being like a scrappy draw. I'm actually going to say two two. Ooh, I, I can see because uh, I'm sorry, yeah. but. If you look at how Wolves have played over the last few games, they've they've been quite fearless and they've gone out. They've they've won some good games, and the the same goes for Sheffield United. They will have the hype from beating Spurs. Obviously, um, you know I, I just see I could see them I could see them doing quite well if providing I, I would like to see if Lundstrom. I'd like to know if Lundstrom's back because I think they've been missing Lundstrom. But um, I, I see it being a really good game. I t- I, I'm sticking to two two. Alright, then West Ham and Burnley. I got a West Ham win. Ooh. I, don't, I don't know why, but something okay. in my head is just telling me West Ham win. Okay. For me, these two teams have been playing pretty scrappy lately, especially West Ham, having won against Chelsea 3 2 in a scrappy win, and then 2 2 against Newcastle. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to go for a Burnley win. I'm going to go 2 1. Every, every win for West Ham is, is a must win right now. Because you, you yeah. have to remember, they are close to the bottom. That is very true. 16th. Yeah. So every every win for them is a must win, even a point. I think it could be... I can see it being... If West Ham do, and I can see it being scrappy like a 1-0 a or a 2-1. But, you know, I also wouldn't be surprised if Burnley nick, nick a goal because, you know, they're, they're that sort of team. They're quite physical and, you know, they're really good at set pieces. Yep. So what's your prediction then? Uh, I'm going to go for, I think, maybe 2-1 West Ham. Jamie? Uh, do you know what? Um, do you know what? I'm actually going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for one all. I, I, but both, okay. both, teams have hit, both teams have hit some form, but I will go for a one-all draw. I, I just see it being one of them games. All right. I go one nil West Ham one nil. All right, all right. We'll see what happens. And then and the last game of the day: Brighton versus Liverpool. Rajan, let, let's Rajan, let's get your thoughts on that. You know, I mean, uh, I don't really make predictions for Liverpool games just because you know <laughs> my track my track record isn't that good. You know, so um, 
let's just say, you know, hopefully so, so it's the result I want. You've got to give a result, Rajan. No, you can't leave us like that. You have to give us a prediction. Bro, I'm just saying, yeah, the last two times I've predicted Liverpool results, we lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid and we lost to Man United uh, 2-1 at Old Trafford, I believe. Oh, oh, bravo. Yeah, I get what I mean. <laughs> what can you say about that? Still, still on your payroll, man. Bro, he's your agent, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. So for me, Brighton versus Liverpool. Brighton, this is an important game for them because obviously they're fighting relegation. So, you know, I think Brighton they're gonna play it really tough, especially because this is the new champions of England. So I'm saying one nil Brighton. I'm going for a bold one. Yeah, every team's gonna take it to Liverpool from now and the end of the season. Brighton, they're they're in a position where they're close to safety, but they they still have to get probably a couple wins. To you know, get get across the line. Don't forget the forty point. They say that you know what they always say: forty points is the safety net. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. We'll have to see. What's your What's your prediction, Cams? But, um, I'm saying a Liverpool win. I I, I don't see it being, you know, a, a big win. Probably two 0 at most. Because I think Liverpool, they they're in they're in that you know motion where they're kind of shutting down for the season because in a way there's records still to be broken but you just haven't seen them as 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 you know solid as as they've looked before so i think you know a, a 2-0 win and not a great performance but they'll get across the line jamie uh personally i'd probably say i probably actually i'm going to go for a 1-0 win i think brighton Brighton will really kind of, like you said, I think Brighton will really take the game to Liverpool. I think Liverpool, it will be it will be scrappy, but I just see Liverpool winning it 1-0. Huh. Well then, so that's Premier League predictions finished up with. And that too, we will finish up on the podcast. If, uh, if there is anything uh, you guys would like to bring up or talk about, Please follow us on uh, Twitter at outofboundspod underscore and on Instagram, which is outofboundspodcast. Any any uh, hot debates, any topics, uh, please um, feel free to let us know. Give us your thoughts below. And apart from that, uh, from myself, Cameron, Akram and Rajan, that is all. Peace all right. out, you man. Much see, ya. see you guys later.